Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Today I have Orijit Sen with me, and he needs no introduction in the world of arts. He's an Indian graphic artist and designer, comics creator, and illustrator. His graphic novel *Rivers of Stories*, published in 1994 by Kalpa Picture, is considered as the first graphic novel of India. He is the co-founder of People Tree. This NID graduate has done several exhibitions and museum design projects in India, UK, and Russia. Orijit's comics have taken the social media by a storm. Few of them were blocked by Facebook, which led to an outpouring of support from friends, family, and followers, and was restored. It's a real honor to speak him with him today. Uh, thank you, Orijit, for giving us your time uh, and welcome to Audio Gyan. And it's a real pleasure to uh, have you on the show. Hi, Kedar. Uh, so yeah, sir, uh, our topic uh, today will be around art of dissent, and I've come up with few questions, and let's see, uh, like how how they pan out. So first thing which I want to ask you is slightly like a global question. Uh, like, what are your thoughts on? uh censorship uh, especially sen- self censorship in art uh because um, i've seen different types of work which you have done other artists have done uh how you as an artist decide to draw a line uh, i think uh, the most kind of uh, problematic aspect of censorship is what we are witnessing in india more and more nowadays is this idea of self censorship Mm-hmm. where uh, 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 an atmosphere of fear prevails and that prevents uh, artists writers or gallerists and others editors publishers from actually uh, saying speaking freely or expressing freely and they anticipating trouble uh, people put a kind of stop on what they think they can say or they can't say so it's in a way people end up censoring themselves uh, out of a sense of fear mm-hmm. and that, that is the most insidious aspect of censorship because sense censorship that is uh, let's say during the emergency some newspapers were um, made to uh, remove certain kind of news or were uh, obstructed from reporting certain things but uh, at least uh, at one level that kind of censorship is something you can fight because that is uh, something that is overtly being stated by the government as being censored and that you are not allowed to say certain things or publish certain things but self censorship is more insidious because uh, as such the government cannot or the authorities cannot be held up uh, to uh, answer for such censorship because it is being done by the person or the organizations themselves mm-hmm. so so my kind of work has been a lot about trying to open up this space and to encourage others to not censor themselves and to speak more freely mm-hmm. but why do you think uh, like self, so there are two parts to the uh, question why do you think it has grown uh, more in these times and what is the need for censorship like self censorship as well uh, as i said the uh, the need for self censorship arises out of a sense of fear Mm-hmm. so um so the government or its uh, let's say it's uh, the authorities and and their unofficial wings that is um so called uh, uh sort of the ideologues and the people who are out on the streets the lumpen elements 
and kind of the bodies of the of the uh, who execute the the diktat of the government mm-hmm. which could be official or uh, or not uh, not necessarily elected or government bodies but for example you would have a karni sena or some such organization self appointed mm. who would uh, spread fear through saying that they represent the they take the right to prevent people from saying certain things or showing certain things or attacking uh, or let's say people or artworks or exhibitions mm. uh, they they spread this uh, sense of fear in the public which causes uh, then others to uh, to shut up about what they would otherwise have spoken up about mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's how it operates i think self censorship is something about spreading fear through various different kinds of uh, actions in the public space uh, and then this gets reported and spread and you know there are it's also done through rumors that xyz has been arrested for putting up a facebook post that may be true or not true but it's fake news often that uh, spreads this kind of uh, fear mm-hmm. uh, but what, uh, then, what yeah but what is the downside uh, if people if artists start doing that more often just because of fear downside obviously is that uh, that uh, the whole space for dissent gets restricted and uh, uh, as we all know dissent is a very critical aspect of democracy democracy cannot function without dissent mm-hmm. if you don't if you take dissent out of democracy then it's a dictatorship okay. and uh, that is a kind of move <clears throat> that is the kind of space we are tending to move towards mm-hmm. as people start to clam up and they simply say okay this is to to dangerous for me to step into let me stay out of it mm-hmm. and then uh, we know what happens with the spread of dictatorships and fascism yeah. uh, and uh, then certain only those who obey the government or they belong to the majority or they toe the majority line uh, those who don't speak up they they are given the space to exist and the others are either jailed or beaten up or and we've seen this before in history we've seen it in italy under mussolini we've seen it in the nazi germany we see we're seeing it in israel right now and right. in india and so on uh, right. so yeah that is the downside i mean basically you slide the society slides towards fascism mm-hmm. so how do uh, so there is clearly a need for dissent but then how and where do artist can draw the line so that the work also gets communicated the subtext is very strong but yet it is it is acceptable from say the people who are ruling uh, it's again like i'm saying different societies are uh, different and these things play out differently in its in each society mm-hmm. in the united states for example till today the uh, freedom of expression is taken is treated it has a kind of a much stronger position and that has uh, that exists i mean people in in societies like america can still speak their minds and the government cannot overtly take action against uh, somebody who expresses his opinion and we can see that uh, for example under donald trump uh, there are many people who are protesting him him and his uh, regime and his policies and uh, those people Uh, still have the certain freedom to be able to express that and to raise awareness about what's going on in the in the Trump administration mm-hmm. um but in india we have less of that i mean on the other end of the scale i would say uh we have countries like saudi arabia where i guess uh, 
uh, I, we don't know too much about what goes on or even for that matter China and hmm. we know that uh, the world outside doesn't even come to know too much about the kind of dissent that is being expressed in these countries because probably uh, they are silenced dissenters are silenced very quickly mm-hmm. uh, and very effectively in india we don't uh, fortunately i would not compare it to a situation like saudi arabia or china yeah. we still have a certain freedom uh, but that freedom that line is a kind of gray area mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, self censorship is like i'm saying something that allows the authorities to push the line in uh, to close the space for dissent and uh, and in india we we as artists or writers uh, uh, we need to keep uh, fighting to keep that space expand that space and keep it open mm-hmm. and that's where uh, my practice lies i mean i work in that space where uh, i mean it's uh, it's um, a gray zone like i'm saying sometimes i'm uh, i don't uh, know if i have crossed some border which is which makes it uh, particularly let's say uh, cross the line which in which might mean that i could get into serious trouble over it mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, so since it's a gray area it's not uh, i can't know i mm. mean i have to walk on that line and keep pushing that line outward so to speak but uh, sometimes i may go too far mm-hmm. uh, uh, and so like i'm saying the atmosphere of fear is very much there it's not as though i'm i'm not afraid when uh, when i put out these works or when i say these things mm-hmm. uh but uh, i i still do it because i feel it is really necessary and important to do it yeah uh, i mean that's that's very interesting because the next question which i had uh, was slightly on this these lines itself like uh, like if i may call your work to be slightly rebellious and as you mentioned trying to push the line uh, outwards uh, have you ever tried to channelize uh, your thought process in some other way uh, comic uh, in comic or art uh, i mean how how has your journey of like this rebellion artwork uh, come to what the state is it is at today so if you can just share some insights on that well there are uh, there are many different uh, let's say uh, if you could call it that there are many different streams of work that uh, i do mm-hmm. uh, a lot uh, a lot of people on social media know my know a certain certain aspect of my work which is what i create and put out on social media correct um, which is usually uh, but i also work uh, with comics so um so yeah so this this aspect of my work has been uh, widely seen because of uh, of its uh, kind of uh, presence on social media and the fact that it uh, gets uh, shared a lot mm-hmm. mm, but uh, um, there are other aspects of my work for example i do murals i do installations i do comics and graphic novels <clears throat> those don't uh, get seen this widely in a sense of uh, uh, spreading across social media like this mm-hmm. but uh, it has it, all those things have their own audiences and their own uh, kind of reach in their own context mm-hmm. and uh, so for example uh, back in 94 i i brought out my first graphic novel called river of stories correct and uh, that was a very strong uh, kind of a anti government uh, uh, 
book about the building of the Namada Dam and, uh, and about the protests that were being uh, taking place in the Narmada Valley and the Narmada Andolan. I was part of the Narmada Bacha Andolan at that point, as in I was involved with the movement. Mm-hmm. And uh, so <clears throat> that was... Uh, so that was about critiquing the government ideas on development. So this is well before, of course, uh, before the time of uh, Modi or even the BJP, for that matter. The BJP had never been in power at that time. Mm-hmm. So although today uh, many people think that I'm, uh, uh, some people tend to see my work as being very uh, kind of specifically anti-Modi or anti-Hindutva. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, but it's, it's more towards to, anti-establishment. Yes, I mean my work is about protesting uh, uh, authoritarian power and uh, injustice, uh, social injustice, uh, and so uh, in different forms and different ways I've kind of addressed that, or or also about locating and uh, bringing out uh, local culture, popular cultures voices of protest, creativity uh, in the uh, uh, in in social movements and in in, you know, in kind of uh, among uh, uh, Adivasis, Dalits and other communities who are uh, uh, kind of pushed out of the mainstream. So uh, my work is focused around all of that. So all of that in some respect you could think of as protest work, but it's not necessarily directly uh, 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 confronting a particular government or a particular uh, uh, prime minister, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, people who see only this aspect of my work uh, think that I am basically a, a Modi hater, but that's not really what drives me. It's not the hatred of any particular person. Okay. It's about uh, seeking uh, uh, justice and equality for people and for a better... Uh, uh, for uh, for improve, uh, for, I mean, I, I work to to create a stronger democracy and a better world for us to uh, kind of share and live in. That's really my intention. Mm-hmm. But do you think? Uh, I mean, this is slightly going deeper into the same question. Do you think comic or arts uh, has got the power to? Obviously, I understand it has, but uh, I want to understand your perspective as to uh, how do you see comic or any form of art. Uh, enabling this kind of protest or helping uh, communicate certain dialogue between the artist and the people? Uh, I've always been attracted to uh, graphic art uh, from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in school, I used to draw my own comics. Mm-hmm. And um, what I've always liked, or, or perhaps that I'm conscious of that, more conscious of that now, but even as a young man in high school or in college, uh, what I liked about comics was their kind of uh, innate. Uh, all these comics and graphic arts they have a history of uh, of protest, of satire, of subversion, uh, of mocking the authority, uh, and all of that attracted me right from when I was a kid. I, mm. I think it's somehow the medium has this kind of a, a quality interwoven into its very history and its makeup. Mm-hmm. And um, I was attracted to the work of uh, great comic artists from across cultures and times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was particularly, uh, while in college, I came across uh, Robert Crumb and uh, 
the comics artists of the American underground at that time, and uh, all of that was very inspiring for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it's uh, when you question, let's say, uh, the sexual, uh, like Trump did, he questioned the kind of sexual habits and sexual ideas of uh, 1960s America. Mm-hmm. At one level, uh, all of that is political. I mean, it comes from a uh, uh, to my mind, uh, politics is not just about uh, critiquing the government or the or the authorities. It's about uh, critiquing authoritarianism as a force that exists in our society. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think the medium of the visual art medium and especially the graphic arts medium uh, has that power ingrained in it. Uh, not only from the fact that it comes from a history of uh, of uh, satire and caricature. Even, uh, I mean, we can look at examples much before uh, the people I'm talking about. We can look at British Punch, for example, which in the 19th century first introduced this idea of caricature and satire uh, in a print form, reaching a wide circulation. Correct. Uh, mm. uh, so unlike, let's say, the other arts, which are uh, which even today are a little bit bogged down by this idea of uh, being exhibited in confined spaces within galleries or exhibitions or festivals. The printed arts, they are out in the public space and they can reach a much wider audience, uh, not necessarily just the audience that goes to a art show or festival or gallery. Mm-hmm. So it has an innate, uh, I feel the graphic arts have an innate power of of having this mass medium uh, aspect to it. Correct, correct. So I think uh, equally I was inspired by later by the cartoons of people like R.K. Lakshman and other Indian cartoonists, Abu Abraham. Correct. Uh, because when I see the, when I would see initially uh, in when I was still in my teens, uh, I didn't understand so much about politics and I wasn't so uh, kind of um, interested in, you know, how Indian newspapers and journals focus so much on the doings and saying of the politicians themselves. Mm-hmm. Whether, uh, Every day the reportage would be about whether Indira Gandhi inaugurated this or said that or uh, opposition leader said X, Y, Z. Uh, as a young, as a teenager, I mean, all that didn't interest me so much. So I wasn't inclined to read that stuff. But I would always read Lakshman's cartoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, somehow it would reveal to me the, I, it would kind of give me a really good insight into what's going on politically in the country without mind actually knowing it or reading all that stuff. And uh, that's what uh, that's where I think is an example of the power of the graphic arts, because uh, uh, the combination of image, word, and metaphor, visual metaphor that uh, uh, that is part of the language of graphic arts of cartoons, uh, I think um, it very simply reveals the very nature of politics. Uh, even to someone who doesn't necessarily is not interested in the doings of politicians, but uh, politics affects us all. I mean, uh, there is no such thing as, I mean, we would be fooling ourselves, those of us who say we are apolitical or we are not interested in politics or we say politics is a dirty business. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this is just uh, coming from this very incorrect assumption that somehow politicians is what politics is about. Mm-hmm. Politicians are just one part of one, some of the players that... Uh, uh, the face of, let's say, a certain kind of parliamentary democracy that uh, that assumes a, 
great importance in our minds uh, and it keeps us from understanding how politics operates in reality at the level of all of us i mean politics is there in our families politics is there in our communities in our societies and if we don't learn to start looking at that uh, as politics has a very kind of ingrained aspect of human society mm-hmm. uh, we remain uh, uh, in the words of break uh, he said that it's only a fool who thinks that uh, he or she is above politics or that uh, he's not affected by politics i mean uh, Uh, that itself is a kind of politics that uh, because you belong to a certain let's say uh, privileged uh, position in society mm-hmm. that you can pretend that politics doesn't impact you what it does everything uh, in the in the long run it does and uh, the way your society forms and shapes itself around you uh, you are a part of it whether you like it or not correct and so i think uh, the graphic arts is one of those uh, windows into this deeper understanding of politics that is available to us and mm-hmm. that's why we kind of uh, I, i mean that's 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 the sort of attraction for me as an artist to work with this medium correct correct i guess uh, what you're trying to say is that politics uh, as a concept should be looked at a much more abstract sense than the regular politician per se right uh, yes. yeah yes. yeah politics is the uh, uh the flow and ebb and flow of power in any and all human societies and all human communities correct and all human units social units are yeah. based on politics i mean uh, on power yeah i mean the parents enjoy a certain power over the children correct we know that uh, we would be foolish to think that all parents exercise that power in a fair way mm-hmm. we grow up as children our first experience of the imbalance of power is uh, in our own families we understand that we are disciplined in certain ways that mm. we are prevented from doing something we would like to do and perhaps rightly or wrongly we we face consequences and we are powerless to oppose our parents they mm-hmm. are all powerful mm-hmm. so uh, if you can understand politics as something that arises from a very basic uh, between a husband and wife there's politics between parents and children there's politics and then the, uh, in outward circles from there we can go to the idea of community to the idea of, and finally politics at the level of the nation and the level of the globe mm-hmm. so uh, politics exists at, at every level they are interwoven into uh uh it it thread each level kind of connects to the next one and to the next one correct correct in fact uh, like i i was um, i am connecting the dots here where uh, uh, in recently i heard uh, one uh, one stand up piece by varun grover where he mentioned that uh, there is there is uh, a person standing for the national anthem in the theater not because of the respect of national anthem but mm. because he's scared of someone hitting him because he didn't stand for it uh, exactly. and and that was brilliantly put and was similarly uh, one of your work uh, where you had done a comic strip for the national anthem it is just matlab wo chhap gaya mere like dimag mein so i wanted to understand mm. uh, that comic strip what was the thought behind it first of all and uh, why is it that people are getting so sensitive or uh, get easily offended by these uh, day to day issues uh, any thoughts on that you must have given some uh, thought around it right well i mean this uh, at one level one could go very deeply into um, a subject like that but to put it in a concise way i would say that uh, 
it's it's a power play about a certain group of people let's say mm-hmm. who wish to assert their primacy uh in the in the big social mix that we have in india Hmm. Uh, at the moment, uh, let's say in historically, the upper castes have always uh, asserted their dominance over the lower castes. I mean, Indian society has been built on this sort of uh, same caste system of uh, unequal, uh, uh, the unequal balance of power. Mm-hmm. And uh, in all through our years since the 19, I mean, since we achieved independence from. In 1947, uh, I think our laws have proclaimed the the right of that that all Indian citizens are to be treated equally, and that uh, everyone has equal rights and every uh, equal power. The reality is not the case, and there's always uh, jostling for power, and the uh, and the uh, classes and the communities that traditionally held power do not want to let go of those traditional powers and privileges mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile as um, as the as democracy works and it helps i mean democracy has worked partially in this country it has helped certain communities uh, to rise up from their previous position but it hasn't equally helped uh, uh, everyone and um, and i think the frustrations of uh, of this sort of uh, imbalances of power that uh, uh, that not only the practice of democracy in this country but also the spread of you know the spread of information and technology modernism modernizing of things has led to a breakdown of the older systems of power at the same time there's a strong effort to maintain those old power balances by the ones who uh, enjoyed those privileges and powers so it's a conflict. It's a ongoing conflict that uh, um, that uh, helps, or I mean, our society moves forward in uh, like two steps forward and then one step back and two steps sideways, and that's how mm-hmm. uh, how we progress. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the conflicts that come up are really from from that. I mean, when you really look at it. When you say, let's say, the ideas of feminism, they challenge the first. First come the ideas. The ideas themselves are uh, what cause. They immediately challenge the. They challenge patriarchy. They challenge the system of, uh, uh, let's say, patriarchal privileges that we have taken for granted over the centuries. And then, the, the, when feminism comes around, it poses a challenge to those patriarchal uh, ideas. Mm-hmm. So, moment that happens, there's a backlash from. Uh, and uh, uh, and the patriarchal systems, the patriarch, the people who are uh, uh, the let's say the uh, male, uh, uh, all the men who have been uh, enjoying those privileges, seeing it as a natural order of things. Suddenly, when they are confronted, and it seems not not so natural anymore that uh, uh, that the wife should always stay at home and look after the children. That threatens the uh, the life of of the man who would rather uh, have have that system continue in the same way. Correct. And so, uh, so once these ideas enter into the domain, there's always become the conflict of ideas first. Mm-hmm. And as those ideas take a root, or they take they they spread, or they become they, more yeah, they manifest in some form or the other. They manifest. 
Yeah. Yeah. Then, then the then the opposition also manifests itself in uh, physical forms. I mean, uh, which can come down, you know, as we have witnessed in India and are continuing to witness. I mean, from rapes to attacks on women to strictures trying to forbid women from doing certain things or wearing certain kind of clothes and. So all of this is uh, the pushback from patriarchy. I mean, patriarchy is trying to push back. I mean, it's threatened by the ideas of uh, feminism. So similarly, with uh, it's not Hinduism versus, uh, let's say, um, secularism or whatever. It's actually, if you really, I mean, we set up uh, uh, India as a democratic, socialist, secular republic. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but today, what we are witnessing is a huge pushback from a large number of uh, Hindu, typically upper caste people, who see that the idea of secularism is a threat to their traditional um, privilege and to their idea that they are, that this is a Correct. majority country of Hindus, and therefore secularism is a threat to all those positions of power and privilege that have been enjoyed so far. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what we are witnessing is, of course, again, a pushback against that. It's a pushback against, uh, and it's built upon by people who wish to harness that power, like the BJP today. It'll, it'll stoke this, uh, let's say, uh, it'll create and build up on the, and encourage this sort of Islamophobia that many people may have harbored quietly, but in the past it was it was considered not okay to, not just not act upon your Islamophobia, but even you were, it was not okay in most circles to express Islamophobia. Correct. Um, but today, more and more, uh, the Hindu right wing is trying to say that this is okay. Please mm. come up and express your Islamophobia. It's okay if you attack some Muslims. You, the Muslims should be shown their place. Mm. All of this is being done in order to encourage uh, the forces that push back against the idea of a secular country. Correct. Correct. Uh, so, in fact, yeah, I, I in fact it. I did one uh, interview with uh, Atul Pethe, who's a Marathi playwright, and uh, hmm. he also mentioned a similar point that uh, it's like the second version, the second point of uh, violence is uh, which the current government is trying to build in uh, as or as as he's trying to create the optics around it, saying that it is okay to do so. I mean, first of all, violence hmm. is created, and the second is it's okay. Uh, which is yes. uh, yeah, which is slightly alarming. Uh, but yeah, coming yes. back, and to that is where where the guys who uh, let's say the gaurakshaks who participate in violence or mob lynchings, correct? Then they go unpunished, or they are made out to be somehow heroes who are defending the idea of the Hindu faith or whatever. Yeah. So uh, this is important for them to spread the message that this is okay. This is what is right. I mean, okay. this is this is how you should behave, kind of thing. So it's actually. Uh, kind of trying to dismantle the in the past uh, or, or when the ideas of secularism was trying to be established, uh, it would have at least even though people may have had similar ideas in uh, deep inside they would have held some uh, uh, Islamophobic thoughts. I mean they don't like to mix with Muslims or Muslims are dirty or whatever. I mean they would have had their kind of bigoted ideas, but they would not be able to express it and they would not be able to act upon it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and the whole whole project of secularism was to slowly dismantle this bigotry itself to say that no, I mean no community is innately bad or good. That uh, uh, that each community has the right to uh, live in the way it does and practice its own religion and its own communal. Uh, I mean its own 
the the uh, friendly as a community in the way that they do with their own customs and all of that correct uh, now that is being challenged i mean that is being officially by the government as well as unofficially by all these other uh, uh, you know senas and uh, uh, gooms and gaurakshaks uh, they're challenging that idea saying that mm-hmm. no it is okay to do that it is right to actually attack somebody else's beliefs and it's right to uh, to not allow people to practice their own faith or to practice their own customs that it's okay to break uh, uh relationships between people in a certain way Correct. and uh, set examples for so again uh, which also ties up to this idea of creating a sense of fear mm-hmm. to try to shut people who are saying the opposite to uh, put fear into them Correct. so uh, so if i am a, a vocal anti uh, hindutva person then i should be made to uh, feel afraid of uh, expressing my views rather mm. than the other way around yeah 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 i mean you put it very nicely that it's now officially allowed that's that's a very uh, important word that officially is coming here uh, but arijit yeah. i would like to just uh, come back to and conclude with one last question uh, in terms of connecting back to art uh, like mm. what what are your thoughts on like uh, the art of dissent i mean what would you tell artist of the current time uh, who are in such a situation that there is very low threshold for free speech uh, recently mm. these activists got uh, 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 house arrest and stuff like that so mm. what what would mm. be your thoughts uh, and what would be your uh, yeah i mean just thoughts on like overall producing more art uh, which has a dissent or which which uh, mm. any any well uh, yeah i mean at the uh, first and foremost i would say that uh, it's very critical for us to now not not give in to this uh, pressure and to this uh, uh, kind of atmosphere of fear that is being uh, created mm-hmm. but we must resist that and we must fight back against that and we uh, it's more very critical for us to create even more art uh, as artists mm-hmm. uh, and even more expressions of dissent at various levels Mm-hmm. and we uh, we must uh, kind of i think um be more united in uh, looking out for each other as well i mean uh, for example uh, i have sometimes i like i was saying i i don't necessarily when i'm always trying to push the line, the line mm-hmm. uh, i may not always be the best judge to know that i've maybe gone too far mm-hmm. that maybe i'm endangering myself beyond the reasonable limit Hmm. but when that happens on facebook and so uh, uh, on instagram i actually have friends who who have become like uh, in a way my watchdogs as in not people who are censoring me but people who are sympathetic to me and are just there to warn me that maybe this is uh, uh maybe you, this is too too much i mean uh, tone this down or uh, just be safe here maybe this uh, we don't want to uh, lose your voice now you shouldn't do something which will make them silence you for good mm-hmm. so so you know way it's good uh, that's the kind of thing i mean that we need to watch out for each other and we need to uh, kind of push this fight forward and i always tell people also that it's not only just about this government i mean these changes are in a way 
or much larger societal changes that we are witnessing. Just even if tomorrow, by some chance in 2019, uh, Modi government goes out, hmm. it doesn't mean that our battle is won or the job is done. Uh, hmm. Actually, our society has changed, hmm. has been has been changing, and this government has perhaps pushed it uh, very deeply in one direction. Hmm. And uh, we cannot sit back and say, oh, "Acha, job is done now. Modi government is gone." No, I mean, I think we're going to face this uh, for years to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we can't. We need to be very vigilant. We also need to, uh, like I'm saying, be united and watch out for each other. Mm-hmm. And we need to kind of take care of ourselves and of each other in this kind of a situation. Uh, but we have to, which means, if I know that I have uh, many uh, people who are standing in solidarity with me, it gives me a lot more courage. I mean, if I feel I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I feel obviously much more scared. Mm-hmm. So by giving support to each other and standing in solidarity with each other, we are able to open our voices more and to give each other the strength to uh, be more active and more kind of uh, 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 and defend more loudly because we need that. That is the need of the hour that we have to just as the crackdown and the pressure comes becomes more is when we have to raise our voices more. Correct, correct. And, uh, uh, so this is a uh, situation today. Yeah. Uh, and uh, suddenly a uh, killing of Gauri Lankesh or something shouldn't um, make us, uh, all of us, uh, afraid. close our mouth. Yeah. Know, that, oh my God, uh, look at what happened to her. Mm-hmm. So this is when we all need to unite and speak up more. Wow. And... Uh, uh, this is where I feel that uh, the message I want to give out, and this is what I try and do with my work. I can keep showing people, look, I'm, uh, I'm here. I'm saying this. I'm standing by what I say. I, uh, I'm not retreating. And that, should, that I, I know that it gives many others the courage also to, uh, uh, to be open and speak up. Sure, sure, definitely. I mean, uh, on that note, I would like to. Uh, say that may everyone get that courage uh, as you have today and uh, produce more artists who are who are drawing or expressing themselves and yeah. having a descent. Uh, cool. I think this is a good note to end this. Uh, thank you, Orijit, once again. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, giving us your time and uh, sharing some no, brilliant insights. And uh, I wish to have you again on audio can maybe in person when I'm in Goa. And uh, okay. yeah, you can like I tell listeners to follow Orijit Sen on Instagram as well uh, to to get insights into some brilliant artwork and also some political messages in as a subtext. Uh, cool. Thank you, sir. Again. Uh, I, yeah, thanks very much, sir. It's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, thank you, uh, sir, once again for like really giving your time. It's it was a pleasure talking to you. And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on audiogyan.com. Till then, bye.